0: everybody and welcome to episode 37 of the Cinefessions podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Brandon Shawan. and joining me tonight we have Ash Collins. Ash, how are things going this week? Pretty good. Excellent. And we also have Mark Nadu. Mark, how are you?
1: Uh, okay. Uh, sorry if I sound a little weird tonight. I'm just wearing a really tight shirt and the fabric's rubbing against my muscles. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if I sound off... That's probably the reason why.
0: All right. Well, good. Thanks for the disclaimer. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so, to start off the show tonight, we got a little bit of, I, I guess, disappointing news at this point. Chris has decided that uh, he wants to kind of take a, a, a leave of absence from the show uh, just to focus in on some other things that are going on in his life, and that's totally fine with us. Uh, you know, we support him one hundred percent. We're definitely going to miss him on the show. Don't know how long he's going to be gone at this point, um, but just just so y- y- you, the listener, knows. Uh, Chris will not be on the show for a little while at least so Chris if you're listening we wish you the best hopefully you decide um that you know there will be a time to come back to the podcast because we'll definitely have a spot here for you so just to get that out of the way moving forward today we are talking about part two of making a murderer so these are going to cover episodes six seven eight nine and ten so the second half of the series and if you Missed our first part, make sure you go back and listen to that, that one we we put out last week. And so, that one's actually been doing pretty well, been getting a lot of hits on that one, which is exciting. And so, if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, welcome in. If you are returning from before, welcome back. So, before we jump into our review of Making a Murderer, let's talk about what we did this past week in the world of media. Mark, did you do anything fun this past week?
1: Uh, Not really. Uh, Since the last uh, time we recorded, I've worked a lot. Okay. Um, So I only watched two films since we last spoke. Okay. um, Because of the passing of Alan Rickman, Uh, I decided to Mm -hmm. at least watch one of his films when I had the chance. And I said, rewatch Dogma, um, Mm -hmm. which I don't think really ages that well. No. I don't find many of uh, Kevin's movies in the View Askew Universe have aged very well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just... I don't know what it was. I, like it, Dogma was one of my favorite like View Askew films, and it just didn't do it for me this time. Uh, I don't know if it's just because it's dated, or maybe because I picked the wrong Alan Rickman movie to watch. I should have watched Galaxy Quest instead. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it just didn't do it for me as much. That's and, interesting. Uh,
0: Dogma and was ahead. always sorry about that. Uh, Dogma was always my least favorite of the View Askew verse. I'm a okay. huge Mallrats fan. That's still one of my favorite movies of all time. I can watch that all the time. But no. dogma, I I only watched maybe once or twice, and I never, I never fell in love with it like a lot of people.
1: I don't know if it's maybe it's because of uh, of um, the way that because it's from ninety nine that they're mm-hmm. so young, uh, but it seems that most of the actors, uh, is, especially uh, Damon and Affleck, especially Affleck, he, he's got that
0: smug look, and <laughs> it's, it's it's very punchable.
1: I don't know why, you know. <laughs> Like I like Ben Affleck
0: now, but young Ben Affleck very punchable. Same as in uh, uh, in Mallrats, definitely punchable. I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so I just didn't enjoy it as much. I did like seeing Selma Haylik again and Chris Rock. I forgot he was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I just it felt to me the most Tarantino-ish of the of the vQ films. I you know okay, it, like, it's very wordy and like I do like some of the dialogue. I just don't know. I just don't find it really aged that well. And then, you know, it's a Kevin Smith film because there's something, you know, very juvenile to it with the poo monster. And mm-hmm. I don't know, me, I'm getting old and surly. I just didn't like it as much <laughs> as I used to, you know? Right. Um, but, and the only other one I watched was Hellions, which is from uh, Bruce McDonald. And he's the one that, that I believe did uh, Pontypool and a few other keen films like okay. Dance Me Outside and the Hardcore Logo, which is a fantastic A Canadian road trip film about this uh, punk band doing one last tour to make, uh, I guess, to uh, try one last chance at glory. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, really good. Um, Unfortunately, Hillians not so much. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I was really hoping for something good. And pretty much, uh, girl, Halloween, um, finds out she's pregnant. And for some reason, that town baby gets possessed where it's talking to her and he's... Monsters, which really uh, reminded me a lot of, uh, the kids in trick or treat where they were attacking, uh, you know, where they're being attacked, you know, the, you know, the segment where, uh, the, uh, the school bus gets, uh, right. gets uh, thrown in the water mm-hmm. and then those like, kids come back really reminded me a lot like that. Okay. Um, just, just not good, you know, most of the film, <laughs> because apparently it's under a blood moon. So it had like a pink rosy hue to it. Mm. Um. Yeah, I just didn't do it for me. Plus, the the, the soundtrack
0: was just horrible,
1: and I don't, I don't know. know. I was really hoping for better, and yeah, I didn't get it. So those are really the only two films I saw.
0: Okay, now what were your thoughts on uh, Pontipool, or however you say Pontypool?
1: Pontypool. I loved it, but I I think it's it's really good because of uh, Stephen McHattie's role in it. Like you know, is that the, the main whole, character? Yeah, he's he's the DJ. Okay, and you know, so in, in the whole film is in the radio booth right right if it wasn't for the way he speaks and I wish I had a voice like his because <laughs> he was so smooth and I could listen to him talk all day and <laughs> just yeah I, I think he
0: drove the film if it wasn't for him I don't think it'd be as good of a film that's another one I need to rewatch because I did not yeah. uh, it didn't connect with me the first time I watched it mm-hmm. uh, I yeah, think I, I like Funny
2: Pool a lot.
0: yeah I, I know that one. I know you did I remember talking with you about that in the past. I I don't know what it was about it. I just didn't connect with it. It got it felt uh, just a little slower than I expected it going in.
1: Yeah, it's a very slow burn.
0: So definitely one I want to try again. But I didn't mm. I didn't appreciate it on the first time through.
1: Yeah, and apart from that, you know, I'm playing Fallout Four, and I'm slowly creeping up to level thirty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can only play so much. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a game that will last probably all year.
0: Right. Awesome. Oh right, and what about you, Ash? Anything cool this week?
2: Um, I didn't play a lot of game well, I've been playing a lot of DDO with my wife. Um okay. Dungeons and Dragons online. Um uh, did I've been working on my Star Trek stuff, going through that. Um so I'm trying to assemble the essential Star Trek episodes. Um
0: yeah, and rewatch. Well, oh, I'll sorry. talk about that a little bit at the end because that's a really exciting um, uh, article that we have coming up. I'll I'll mention that again at the end, though.
2: Okay. Uh, I rewatched Escape from LA just to have some background noise on, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, other than the one-liners and and some decent acting or actor choices, it has not aged well. Uh, if you're going to watch one of the Escape movies, definitely watch Escape from New York. Um, I mean, LA has like certain things I like about it. Uh, mainly the score, um, <laughs> all in the one-liners, but hmm. I and mean, they're just—it's not. They, they used a lot of really bad '90s CG in it, and it just—it doesn't look good anymore. <laughs> uh, it it, it probably—it was questionable in the '90s when it came out, but it's really bad now. Um, so, eh. uh, but uh, I watched a couple other movies. I watched the Pack Two, which. I really need to rewatch The Pact because I couldn't remember different characters from that. So it was kind of like I was a little lost through most of it.
0: Okay, and, I loved The Pact. I fucking loved it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, The Pact 2 is interesting. Um, they they do some neat things with it, Um, but it's like it's not even in the same house and a couple other things. It was just it was a little confusing. So I really need to rewatch the first one and then just watch that one like right after it. Mm-hmm um i watched one called mind games uh like m-i-n-e like you know mine um that one was interesting um it was it's kind of more like a psychological horror flick but there's a bit of sci-fi fantasy to it too it's really hard to describe without (laughs) ruining the movie uh it it's decent. It's not horrible, it's not fantastic. It was a, a little bit of a, a mind screw of ish type of movie. Yeah. Um uh, I watched After, which was a movie I'd started back before my wife had in, uh, her emergency surgery last year. Okay. Uh, so we were actually watching it the day her I actually had to turn it off when we took her to the hospital. Hmm. So <laughs> so <laughs> it'd been sitting in my Netflix queue for a while. Um I started watching that one. That one's kind of interesting and kind of a unique and unique look at a uh, kind of like a limbo in your own personal hell. Okay. Um, So that one was kind of neat. Different ideas for it. The one that kind of stood out for me, though, and that was because I um, and I like that one. I enjoy that one. Um, But uh, the one that stood out for me, though, this week was uh, Contracted Phase 2.
0: Yes, and you have a review coming live to the website this week, which I'm excited to put up.
2: Yes, um, yeah, that one. If you like like body horror and gore, like you know, nasty, nasty body horror, definitely check that one out. Uh, yeah, it had me squirming a couple of times, and I was like, I actually had to look away at one point because I was like, yeah, that that looks like real pus. Oh dear God!
1: Does uh, Contracted two start or continue where the first one left off right away, or?
2: Yes, yes. Actually, the opening sequence is the ending scene to the first film. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it deals with it deals with the guy who slept with the girl from the first film.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and it follows him, and there's a, there's like a there's like a police subplot where they're trying to track who initially gave it to these people, okay. which doesn't it, it doesn't. The police subplot doesn't necessarily work as well as it should, considering it's like the crux of like the third act of the film. Um, but it, it's okay. Um, it, overall, it was, it was a solid effort. It wasn't as good as the first one. Uh, it, like the first one, they did a lot of neat things to pull it off. This one, I think they had a better budget, so the effects, you know, they were a little bit more liberal with some of the effects work, but the story kind of suffered a bit. But, hmm. Other than that, I I, I really like that one though too. That was like that one was an interesting choice to start off my binge.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, it's on my queue, so that's something I'm probably going to watch on my days off.
2: Yeah, I, I'd watch. I I honestly I'd watch them back to back because they they make a lot of references to stuff that happened in the first film, and I was a little lost in that one too because I hadn't seen
1: it for like a year and a half. Yeah. So, but and other than that, I I, I don't know if how your enjoyment changes. Like you you said you were, you watched Escape from LA. Uh do you find your dreamin' for escape from L.A. new york kind of dwindles a bit because it ripped off um lockout so much?
2: Um or that lockout there no, that was
1: just that was a joke thing that lockout was oh. first. okay. Well that bomb. Bothers- <laughs> Hello. I was, like,
2: I was like wait a minute. Yeah, it took
1: me a minute. Yeah, sorry. Uh,
0: it's
2: no. A shirt. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really escaped from a remake I, the whole basic plot structure, story structure, uh, basically the way they send him in, everything about Escape from LA is basically just a slightly amped up version of Escape from New York. You know, and it just it, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Unfortunately, more doesn't work than does work. I think.
1: There's two things I remember from LA. Is one the Bruce Campbell uh, cameo? Yes. And two yes. for some reason I really dug the acoustic guitar um score that they had at the at the end That's, yeah, well, that, they that always stuck in stuck the my mind. Too, yeah. 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 Um
2: they actually they actually mixed it up um the woman who scored Escape from LA was actually the woman who scored uh Batman the animated series first film Mask of the Phantasm. Oh. Good. Uh, yeah, uh and she actually they actually talked about uh why she because it was one of the films that Carpenter hadn't scored himself, Uh, but he brought her in and she actually started off using the themes for the first film and kind of doing it digitally and with like a rock band at first. And as the film goes on, it switches more over toward orchestral as they build up toward the end sequence. And then like at the very end sequences, she switches back over to the acoustic and stuff. Which Uh, makes sense. Yeah. um, Yeah. And and that, that I really loved. I actually have the Escape from LA score somewhere around here and I I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um there's actually a funny note, um Bruce Campbell's sequence in Escape from LA. Apparently, um Kurt Russell had seen the Evil Dead films before. Uh and when they were filming that that Bruce Campbell scene, uh Kurt Russell comes up to, to Bruce Campbell and he's like, you know, I, I just need you to tell me Two words. And Campbell's like, okay, work shit. <laughs> and they just left it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, the one, the sequence that really just kills the movie for me is the serving sequence because the effects work is so bad. so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And the helicopter escape sequence is terrible too. It just, it doesn't look good at all. Mm-hmm. I, it's just the end sequence. The, the whole end of the movie needed more budget, or a slightly better effects company, or both. Uh, but yeah,
0: so I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So this week I finished up the 100 season two, and uh wow, that that really took a turn at the end there that I wasn't expecting. and uh it was a little
2: rough at the end
0: god it was just just emotionally exhausting because it's i don't want to give anything away but it's it's just wow um ash i'm sure you i'm sure you know what i'm talking about having having watched through it but uh yes man i I was glad that i couldn't move right on to season three at that point because i just needed a break to just digest everything that had just happened um and season three is gonna be (sighs) it could be weird with the if they you know go with what they set up at the end of the last season there and so it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh that start what's the date on that one again
2: uh friday i think is when it starts okay uh 20 no tomorrow 21st yeah oh, tomorrow tomorrow
0: okay i got to set the recording so i don't forget so yeah 100 season 3 starts tomorrow so i will be watching that we um watched this uh i guess it's not technically the second but it's like kind of the second Episode of the second half of season six of Pretty Little Liars today, uh, yesterday, last night, and uh, that one's—I just—I want to binge watch it because that's how I know the series. I we just like binge watched the entire first, I think it's six season. It might be five. I could be making that making a mistake there, but I think it was five or six, and we binge watched those on you know Netflix, and then we had to purchase the season on Amazon Prime so we could catch up to the point that we're at now. And then it started a couple weeks ago, and so I've been watching that. It's it's a really good series, um, not perfect by any stretch, but the writing is genuine, gen- generally very solid, and uh, the girls are just gorgeous too. So that's another plus. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I like that. I like that series a lot, and uh, it's I, this. I wasn't sure if I'd like the second half here, um, but it's turning out to be better than I expected. So it'll be interesting to see where it where it. Uh, leads to but other than that i went to this store uh near us it's called disc replay and they just opened one up by me i used to have to drive about 30 minutes to go to go to one so i didn't go very often but this one now is only about 10 minutes away and um they carry uh you know anything from retro video games up to through today and then dvds movie uh blu-rays um Pops figures, electronic type, uh, you know, like computers, um, TVs, all, you know, stuff like that. And uh, Bridget really wanted to pick up Super Mario World for the SNES, so we stopped in and grabbed that one. And I actually had to go back the next day because when we got home, we realized that our power, our like, not the power, but the other one, the AV wasn't working, so we had to go get another one. But I picked up some things there. I grabbed uh, Nino Cooney Kuni for PlayStation 3. It was a pretty good price, so I ended up picking that up. And I've heard great things about it. That's the RPG from what's his name? From the Studio Ghibli guy. Uh, talking about.
2: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but it's from Miyazaki. It's, it's, Miyazaki.
0: Yes, thank you. It's uh, an RPG basically in his world and has excellent art style. And one that I thought maybe Bridget would enjoy playing as well. So I grabbed that. I actually grabbed like some of the SOCOM games for Playstation Two. I grabbed Time Splitters two for PS two, which mm-hmm. is one of the best ever. Playing it now, I I put it on and playing it, I had to get used to it again just because the controls, it it feels different on a PS2 than it does when you're playing with your Xbox One or your PS4. It's just a lot, uh, not quite as tight as they are nowadays. And so it was just a matter of getting used to it. But I just, that's such a great game. And another one I picked up was WWE 13. So I picked up WWE 2K15 uh, when it was on sale on Black Friday and. I love the, the customization aspect of it, but I hated the gameplay, absolutely hated the gameplay, and eventually I just got sick of it and said, fuck it, I'm selling this back. I actually sold it back for like $2 more than I bought it, so I didn't mind that at all, but couldn't handle it, and so I've been trying to find a good one, and I had some for PS2, you know, like Here Comes the Pain, which is just a classic, but I wanted one for my basement, one of my, the systems I have in the basement, because I have my big screen down there, my uh, movie theater down there. And, uh, WWE 13 is definitely fitting the bill. It is a blast. And I'm actually playing through the attitude era right now. And, uh, I just did the Montreal screw job. I just screwed Brett again. So that was fun. But uh, you know what though? Brett
1: screwed Brett.
0: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, so that's, that's a, a really good game and I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I'm going to mess with the, my universe mode. I had my spreadsheet out and was trying to set up the rosters the way I wanted them. Cause I'm a huge dork, but. It should be a lot of fun, and I just really am excited to continue through the Attitude Era, because it's uh, pretty cool so far. Right now, I'm just on the DX storyline, how, like, they've uh, Degeneration De- De- X formed. They actually haven't even fully formed yet. It's just the click at this point, but the screwdriver is a big moment of that Attitude Era, so that was a lot of fun. Other than that, that's about it, really. Uh, I don't think I've seen – I don't think I watched any movies this, this past week, but – Just played some games and watched a little bit of TV. So that, I guess, is that. All right, so let's move on to part two of our Making a Murderer special. Uh, And again, if you haven't heard part one, make sure you go back and listen to that. um, Because I'll be frank with you, I think our kind of... um, the first part is going to have a lot more passion than maybe the second part, just given, um, you know, the details and in, in what we're talking about, uh, these episodes based as opposed to the first five episodes. So, and again, there are spoilers. Obviously, this is a true story. So there are real life spoilers. So if you don't know anything about the story, stop the podcast now and watch the doc series on Netflix. Otherwise, let's move forward. So. Basically at this point making a murderer kind of turns into a a courtroom drama right the action i guess if you want to call it that of the first uh well really four episodes it slows down from here on out and so instead of going episode by episode just because honestly at this point they kind of just all run together because we're just we're sitting in the courtroom for the for the vast majority of these these final episodes um I think it was episode eight, they find, you know, Steven guilty. And then I think episode nine is when we learn about Brendan's case. Uh, we kind of follow his whole case from the beginning all the way to the end where he's, you know, found guilty of all three counts, which, uh, is something I want to talk about in a minute. And then episode 10 is kind of like an epilogue of sorts as far as the series had it at that point. So episode six, I think was an interesting one though, because it kind of reveals the fact about the blood and that there virtually was none. I don't understand how a murder happens and there's no blood. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. And all of a sudden they find this one single empty shell casing in Avery's garage. Uh, but it's just the whole thing. It it just kind of, um, um, built upon what I what we said in those first five episodes, how it just doesn't make sense.
1: And and who found the shell
0: casing again? Right. The the
1: men Link. Yeah, exactly. It was Lank who did it.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. And the the thing with the blood and we're that it doesn't make any sense, but if I don't recall properly, but did it t- did the actual episode explain the lack of blood? I don't think so. Nope. No like, see, seen it seemed that was glossy over you know
0: right yeah the Um, the da never uh, is never able to explain it why there is no blood
1: yeah so uh, i i don't understand how you know two people can do what they said they did in that room and not have any dna evidence you know whatsoever like even if they had five days to clean Yeah, it's still going to show, you know, it just seems maybe maybe the forensics just wasn't up to par at that time. But that's only a decade ago.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: CSI was doing stuff on their TV, on their TV series way before that. So I I don't understand the lack of uh, the the lack of understanding on that. You know, like you kill someone, we're we're liquid, you know, (laughs) blood, it's going to show. And for them to clean it so well that there's none there, I don't believe that. I don't think it actually happened there.
0: Exactly, yeah, I agree with you, mm-hmm, and there's the couple like all of a sudden in, in this they 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 bring up this bus this school bus driver who always arrives by the Avery property at the same time every day because she's a school bus driver. that's what she does on a you know five days a week mm-hmm. and she says that she saw Teresa alive from three thirty to three forty It was sometime in there, and I think that's that's just such a huge moment. That we see at the end of that episode, and yeah. then all of a sudden they bring Link, Link in, and then nothing. We hear nothing else about it. And so we were kind of talking before we started recording here about how they were trying to get the, or how they did get. I think you said the transcript, the entire transcript from this case or from the from these hearings online. Is that right, Ash? Are they are they are available now?
2: Uh. Yeah, it's full, that was what I heard. I have not actually gone looking for them or read them. There was a GoFundMe or like an IndieGoGo to to fund this to get them online so people can read them.
1: Yeah, and and are they going to do an audio book for that? Because I'd love to have Stephen Fry maybe dictate the whole <laughs> transcript.
0: It make it more interesting. You know, you got a million dollar idea there, right? <laughs> it's so much better that way. Exactly. What. But I'm wondering if this is maybe one of those things that gets talked about more that they just didn't show in the documentary. Because as you know, the documentary was only ten one-hour episodes. So you have ten hours, and they have hundreds of hours of transcripts to go through. You know, footage to go through. And so it could just been one of those things that was either one not explained away by the DA and not touched on again, or something, or two something that they just left out of the documentary. Because I think it's we've already pointed out. I think in our first part that. This documentary is clearly on Stephen Avery's side and everything they're going to present, they they might shape it in such a way. They'll give us this information, but maybe leave some things out that might look poorly on Stephen Avery.
1: But at, at the same time, you know, the show is weighed towards Avery, but not finding any blood in his room where she was, you know, raped and murdered. You would think that they put more of a more of an emphasis on that. Like to to me, that's a sign of not guilty. Uh, right. You know? So so what what are, what are they hiding then? That they don't want us to find out. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and th- and that's that. Let's talk about that. So he was found guilty of of well, first degree murder, right? Yeah. Not guilty of mutilating a corpse, and yeah. then guilty of, of possessing a firearm uh, because yeah, he was
1: I guess he's on probation not having right. any weapons so exactly. yeah so he's yeah so he's guilty of murder not guilty of uh, and he's guilty of murder guilty of having a weapon but not guilty of mutilation
0: it just doesn't make sense how no. Like, there's no consistency whatsoever and they talk up they mention that a little bit kind the the lawyers do kind of after like the the post verdict press conference they mentioned how it was inconsistent and they asked you know do you think that was the jury's way of you know coming to a kind of an agreement of some sort. Um, But there's just no consistency there. If you think he did this, clearly he must have done what happened to the body or who did that. You know, it just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, you don't just mutilate a body. It just doesn't happen out of thin air. Speaking of jurors, what's up with that schmizbo that got relieved because of a medical issue
0: Yeah, and now
1: is on the side and he's like hanging out with the
0: family? I'm glad. What's up with that? I'm glad you found that weird too. Okay, good. I don't know what he, I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that he was, you know, doing anything wrong. But how strange that this one guy gets, like you said, it was a family emergency. It never explained what the emergency was, which is fine. It's, you know, probably doesn't want that out. Uh, And then afterwards, he's being interviewed. And then all of a sudden, he's showing up at Brendan's case, smoking cigarettes with, with Brendan's mom outside the courtroom, talking about how he thinks he's innocent and blah, blah, blah like what a, and then he's interviewed again a couple years later a few years later when they in episode 10 and just such a strange situation mhm i don't i don't know and that's what i was going to ask do you think there was any like fucking around with the jury because they say initially seven people when they went back there seven people said he was innocent two people were undecided and three people said guilty yet it came back with a guilty verdict do you and and in the middle of that was this release of this guy who clearly thought he was, you know, was one of the seven that said he was innocent. Do you think anything went on there at all?
1: I think so. Because they mentioned that there were three that were really stubborn. Right. Um. I think that the jurors had jurors fatigue mm-hmm. and wanted to go home and continue their lives instead yeah. of debating and having a, a hung jury or a mistrial. I, I really think that they just gave up.
0: Mm-hmm. The three
1: that were stubborn would wouldn't uh, you know would stick to their guns and didn't want to move from you know their point of view. And uh, the other jurors were like, "Okay, screw this. I want to go home. I want to go back to my life. That's yeah. that's my personal opinion." With no, you know, I've never been on a jury before. I don't know how really it works with deliberations. Right. But that's just my personal
0: opinion from what I've seen from this show. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I got out of it as well. Same. Yeah. It's just such a I don't know, it's frustrating. Um another thing I think is interesting and and one thing that if if Stephen Avery is innocent and if he's gonna be let go, you know, ever, I I just have a feeling that it's gonna come down to that EDTA, the blood. If they were mm-hmm. gonna find EDTA in the blood that was in the in the four. Now one thing that you mentioned, uh, Mark, was that you were reading some articles afterwards and they said that the Netflix documentary may have left out some information, and one yeah. of those things that I read about was that there was also blood found under the hood of the Rav4, and it was also Steven Avery's.
1: Oh, I didn't understand was blood. I thought it was sweat. I thought they found perspiration that uh, they believe came from Avery. I wasn't sure about the blood though. I only read about the uh, sweating.
0: Let me, yeah, let me rephrase. They found DNA. Yeah. Of Avery's under the hood. And then I read something else with that that said it was ridiculous for them to call it sweat like the DA called it because they have no testing to know if it's sweat versus something else under there. That's that's what I was reading. And mm-hmm. now, who who the fuck knows what's right and wrong? You yeah. know, you, you read articles on the internet. You, you I'm, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life, you know, verifying every little thing I read, you know. Yeah. But so I don't know. But you're right. It was DNA of some sort. It could have been sweat. I it, i don't think it was blood because it would have mentioned blood, because obviously that's of a different consistency and color. Mm-hmm. But
1: and now that's that... A, that, that's what got me a little like uh perturbed because they said it was sweat. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you how, how would you get his sweat? You know, like the blood, yeah. I can understand you can plant can you plant sweat? Like I I don't know. It to me it just seems kinda kinda weird. Because you draw blood, whatever, but to actually have a sample of sweat, yeah. Uh to me, they admitted it because it would make him look bad. So, but is it, is it really his sweat? How do you even test that? I don't know.
0: I know that's, and why, I don't know. To me, it wasn't that damning because I just don't know if I believe it. Like what, why would there be sweat under the hood? Why would he be under the hood of the car anyway?
1: Maybe to disable it. Maybe he, you know, he yeah. popped, it, popped the hood while she was you know, doing paperwork in his trailer And he, you know, he, you know, he did something to the, to the engine, maybe popped the, pop the cap or something so that the car wouldn't start. Who knows? You know, it it could be BS as well. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was reading was that the question to why wouldn't Avery put the car in the, in the car compactor. Mm -hmm. And I was, again, this is just something I read online. They said that cars are, are not crushed in intact, like they're, they're stripped. Yeah. Things are taken out of them and then they're, they're crushed. And so all the liquids gone, things like that. And, uh, you know, maybe that just was, if there was DNA under that, maybe that's what he was, you know, thinking about or looking at to see how to do that, to then compact, you know, crush the car. I, it's just such a leap. It's almost silly to even talk about, you know, cause how... <laughs> But uh, still, you
1: know, if if it takes time to strip a car, if I was an Avery, I yeah. would be working on that right away to strip it, so that I don't have to have someone find it in my yard if I did do the crime.
0: Right. You know? And they and do this all the fucking time. I'm sure they can mm-hmm. strip a car, you know, in half the time that a normal person can, right?
1: Yeah. I think his dad has special blue jean overalls just for car stripping. <laughs> Another pair just for car crushing. It's I think it's a different shade of blue
0: that's a that's a good catch i missed that but oh yeah that's that keen eye we need
1: really rugged denim he's got (laughs) (laughs) oh man i bet he doesn't wear underwear but that's just my opinion
0: (laughs) i wonder if Stephen avery owns underwear yet because that was one thing they mentioned like the first episode how they was like their defense against whether he raped the woman or not because she said that he took his underwear off and Stephen avery doesn't even own underwear I don't know if you caught that or not, but I thought that was.
1: Yeah, I, I think probably does now because I think those jump shoots will probably make you chafe a bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's but true.
1: if you're wearing a sweatpants, you don't need underwear. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Allegedly. Right, right. <laughs> so can we talk about uh, our, our prosecutor, our, our yes. favorite guy, Ken? Yeah. Mr. Mustachio. Yeah, Ken's been a naughty
0: boy, hasn't he? He sure has.
1: Our little Kenneth here had got a little (laughs) hot water, didn't he now?
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, does it have any effect on this case? No, but it does call into question his ethics. And I think that's an important part, especially when you're, you're the DA. And so, yeah, he gets, you know, basically he puts himself in rehab for, what was it? like sex addiction and or uh wasn't yeah, it like the, sex addiction and uh and
1: something else
0: liquor but, or, or drugs or something
1: No 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 the thing is okay let, let, let's be here. who hasn't sexed a bit you know you, you're flirting <laughs> with a girl you get some pictures and some bag whatever Now our problem with Kenneth is that he was sexting his clients who were victims of domestic abuse
0: <laughs> like, You know what a piece of shit
1: Yeah Oh god just, just a bit, you know, <laughs> mister he looks wholesome, a little portly family man, right. but no, he likes he he likes to uh, dip in uh, in the company ink, you know. You, you, you don't <laughs> miss the paycheck, Kenneth, you know. I hope you learned that in his lesson. But my god, like you think this guy's got, you know, so much on his plate
0: mm-hmm. and he's
1: gonna do something like that. Like, oh go on POF or something, you know? <laughs> don't don't sex your domestic victim clients. Oh, That's just God. gross.
0: Exactly. You know. Uh, but it was it was good. It was kind of cathartic to, mm-hmm. to have that happen because I just I loathe the man. Yes. And so it was good to see him. You know, kind of get a, a dose of his own medicine. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like ah, the villain got his you know, <laughs> his due diligence. He got his. Right. Yeah, you you can't uh, preach about wholesomeness and then uh, do something
0: like that. Exactly. Oh Kenneth! Yeah. So we get in episode nine. We we really focus in on Brendan's trial, and I thought he had some. I thought he had solid, you know, uh, lawyers on his side that were mm-hmm. you know genuinely with him, much like uh, Stephen Avery's were. And I thought that was good. But we found some information out there that I that wasn't presented before. That kind of strikes a is uh, strikes me as interesting. And in one of those. Is the fact that in between, I guess when the, when the murder happened and when he, you know, quote unquote confessed, his cousin sees him, you know, crying in the hallway. Now, of course, she says on trial that she made up the story about him telling her that he saw feet in the fire, you know, toes in the fire. He, you know, she says that she made that up when she's on the stand, which uh, is just strange, but.
2: Well, they do mention where he got that from. There's a reason, though, too, that they didn't use his his nephew in Avery's trial either. You know? Right. So it's kind of like, hmm. The other thing that struck me with um, the nephew's trial is basically the prosecutor stated in his closing arguments that Avery was the only one to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they went after the kid anyway.
0: Right. Yeah, I I mean, the only story that Brendan tells with the least bit of consistency is the very first story he told about how he went home, played PlayStation, got two phone calls and then went to his, you know, his uh, uncle's house to to the bonfire. That's the only story that he ever tells with consistency, which just leave believe that that's the true story, because it's easy to remember the reality when you're talking about it that much. And you know it's ingrained in your head because that's the reason you're in, you're sitting in jail, you know. But that's yeah,
1: all the other versions of his story, it's like he's you're pulling teeth to get the story out of him. Exactly. But, but this base one is what I think as well is what exactly happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Me too. And then when they brought in the pictures, I, I just I thought to myself, I thought these were deemed inadmissible. Because of the fact of, of how they received these, of how they got these drawings that he drew. And then I realized that we find out later that it was kind of just a gentleman's agreement that they weren't going to use it because it was from the Len Kaczynski and Len Kaczynski's, um, uh, investigator that coerced it out of him. But the DA said, fuck it, we're using it and they used it anyway. And I think that was, you know, just a very bad for the defense in that case. And mm-hmm. so, Brendan goes on, and he is convicted of um, all three of his. I don't remember. Were they all the same charges? No. I can't remember what all the charges were, but whatever they were, no. he was convicted on all of them. Yeah. Which surprised me, you
1: know? Me because too. Because between the coercion of the investigator leading on uh, during that tape segment without having any counsel with him, mm-hmm. um, between again, and then with the cops, uh, with fast and the other guy, um, seemingly coercing him as well, him not knowing exactly what he's saying. Um, and I think what damned him was a bit of phone conversation with his mom. Yeah. Um, but then his attorney
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the other, uh, the other party, uh, said that they weren't gonna play the whole all the tapes, so it was like ninety minutes of tape that they didn't hear where he's telling his mom that they got in his head. why omit that from right. the trial I don't know I, Yeah, I'm I, not I, sure I, why I, they so
0: agreed that. to omit it from the trial
1: no i don't I don't understand that i don't I don't see why that helps like that doesn't help uh uh Brendan at all Right. Um, you know, it, it shows that he he's a messed up kid. At the time, he was what, fifteen, sixteen years old. Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be crumbling under pressure too in a in
0: similar situation. Right. At that age, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sixteen, yeah. and he's you know clearly mentally challenged or slow. I don't know yeah, you,
1: exactly. He's he's a learning disability, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, you know he'll listen to adults because that's what he was. You know, like he learned to do as a kid. He right. listened to the adults, so. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, bedroom. So in episode 10, we kind of we get to the the retrials, you know, or I guess that's what they call them. They're they're trying to get another trial. And so who does Stephen Avery have to go up against? None other than the exact same judge who at his sentencing called him arguably the most dangerous man to ever step in the courtroom. And he kept talking about when he talked when he said that, he kept talking about these, these previous crimes. And all I could think about is he's talking about like the cat? Talking about running his um, whatever sister off the road and then being wrongfully accused of rape. Like I don't know what other crimes he's talking about besides these original two about the cat and running a sister off the road which should not have – really should have been a non-issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very unfortunate that the judge was the same yeah. in the, in, in the uh, I guess two-year-later post-conviction trial. Right. I, I don't think that's Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was quite the coincidence, but again, how many judges are in that County? You right. know? Yeah,
0: exactly. So
1: I guess it's just, you know, luck of the draw, but, uh, yeah, it was, I was surprised to see him again.
0: So what, I guess what shocked me the most was not that Steven didn't get another trial. Frankly, I didn't expect it just from, you know, having scrolled through Google and Yahoo the past, you know, a couple of weeks, I I knew he was still in prison, but the, Innocence the Chicago Innocence Project for Minors got on Brendan's side and they presented to me as clear-cut an argument as you could ever imagine. How do they let Len how do they how does this judge dismiss Len Kaczynski because of his wrong his his wrongful acts and his giving Brendan to his investigator to have him do this confession and then the next morning talk with the two detectives? And give the confession again without him present. And so because of that, he's dismissed. How do they let, like they said, the fruit of his labor, how do they allow that in court? Which is those those drawings and that that, that testimony that he gave, that confession. It just blew my mind that they presented that and still, yeah. they didn't give Brendan a retrial. Like I just, that, that shocked me. I didn't expect Stephen to get one because given the circumstances, but Brendan, I surely did. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I agree. You know, you you you're able to dismiss your attorney because of wrongdoing, right? But the work from the wrongdoing is admissible. That makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And then, what's okay. up with the crocodile tears? Oh my god! That the god. investigator. What the not, hell was that? I'm not, he's looking at a picture of a, a fucking ribbon, <laughs> you know, and he's tearing up over the symbolism of that ribbon. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, let's be honest here. Holy shit. I, I think that's all. For, I was all for the court.
0: I thought I, I agree. I think he's full of shit. He knows yeah. that what he did was wrong and he's now being called out on it. And it just yeah. all got to him because he doesn't have a personal connection with Teresa Hallbach. No. Like, what? What? where do these tears
1: come from? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. To me, it's like, oh, well, OK, the ribbon, it's in front of a church mm-hmm. and, and you're you're weeping openly in court. I'm like, ugh, okay, buddy. It's
0: ridiculous. Uh, it made no sense to me. Uh, I agree. And he stated openly that his goal was to find evidence for the prosecution. Yeah. Mind, it was the prosecution during the Stephen Avery case, but still, it's the same prosecution that was in the Brent, in Brendan's case. Like, it just... Oh, that's collusion, right?
1: Because I, I no, your attorney is supposed to be uh, protecting your best interests, right. but they're mm-hmm. working together to give you a reduced sentence.
0: But it doesn't matter. We're still... Not giving him a retrial, even though all that is pretty damn clear. Yeah, it's just like the to me, and, and I feel like to us three, the common sense thing tells us, you know, that both of these should have been, you know, hung juries at the at the very minimum. Mm-hmm. But I mean, common sense just means nothing in a court of law, and it's okay. all about you know this this bullshit, and it just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Now I have a question which oh. it makes sense to me while I was watching the show. Do you think the outcome would have been different if Stephen Avery would have taken the stand? I oh, man. Like if I'm fighting for my life here, I don't want to spend another 20, 30 years in prison. Right. I'm going to take the stand unless yeah. maybe I'm guilty. I Why know. what am I hiding for not going on the stand and answering questions?
0: That struck me also and it I it pissed me that it struck me because then it what's his name? Fucking Teresa's brother who I just can't stand. Yeah, he said the same thing, and I was like, "Damn it, I don't want to think the same things that you do because I don't like you." But mm-hmm. I, 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 there's definitely ugh, there's something weird there. Yeah, how would you not fight for your own life in a situation like that? Like
1: I would totally go on on, you know, I take the oath and answer any questions they have so I can prove my innocence. Why wouldn't you? The, right. that, to me that's weird. Is it maybe because uh, he's not able to uh, to uh, you know speak as well? Maybe he just can't yeah. you know uh, he doesn't have the big words, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. <laughs> maybe he's struggling for words. Like I'm struggling for words right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, I just found that really odd. I, I think, know. I think one of
2: the things that was interesting was when they went back to the jury, they were talking about it. I think, his, I think it was his attorneys, um, from the first trial, uh, were talking about it. And when they initially, the jury initially went back there, 70% of them were saying he's not guilty. And only 30% were saying he was. Yeah, that's and yet.
0: Yeah. That's what I mentioned earlier. Like it just. What a. How. I mean, yeah. I think Mark summed it up pretty well. And it was just a matter of. this enough. Let's just. Let's get this done with. You know. Yeah. Fine. We'll agree. And that's that. But I mean. I don't know how they sleep at night. Because. You trying to get something over with. So you can go home for dinner. It. Cost a man his life with virtually no chance of parole, like it's just I hope oh. that wasn't the case. I hope they genuinely think genuinely believe that he was guilty. I thought it was interesting that one of his lawyers i I forget which one it was uh kind of the shorter guy he says that you know i hope I really hope that Stephen Avery is guilty because he said, I can't live with the fact that he's in there again.' Under false pretenses. I thought that was interesting.
1: And, and those two attorneys are my favorite, I guess, <laughs> characters of the show.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: I, I, I just thought they were street shooters, and I don't know why I like them so much. But I'm like, yeah, if I ever get uh, charged with uh, murder and rape, I want them to cover my trial too. I want to hire those guys. You know, they seem like the only two decent guys on the whole show,
0: like right? On the whole series. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah.
2: other thing I, I love about this is the trial goes on. Uh, and they do the interviews with the press.
0: <laughs>
2: even the press is going every time that the police are talking. The press are just like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, you know, with with what the, the the police are spewing at them. Even even her, Halba, you know, Halbach's brother is just like, "You kidding me?" Right with this? Yeah, uh, it
0: struck me how. It struck me as, as interesting at how much the press seemed to be on their side.
1: But is it because the way that the filmmakers yeah. uh, framed this show?
0: It absolutely could have been. You yeah. know what I
1: mean? Like Because it seemed like they were almost rolling their eyes every time the prosecution went out <laughs> to talk to them every night, you know?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so, again, is it the way it was framed or was that actually the way it occurred? I don't know.
0: Exactly. And that's the thing. This whole goddamn docuseries is – we don't know, and we we literally we cannot know, we will not know, and yeah. that's just the way it's going to be. And that's why you were talking before; you're just like, you know, I'm ready to move on to the next set here because I'm just done with this. And you're right; it's just exhausting. There's one: there's nothing we can do about it, mm-hmm. and two: we will never know the truth ever, unless yeah. yeah, I mean we won't. There's they find video evidence somewhere, but it's it's not going to happen. You know, it's just. It's so frustrating because of those two things. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they did. Uh, I did see that there was possibly new evidence in the case. Uh, his the attorneys that he's actually managed to get to work for him. Yeah, the so, ones from
0: out of Chicago, right now, right?
2: Yeah, but um, they haven't. Uh, other than them saying he might have new evidence, there hasn't been anything else listed with it. So that might that you know, in the court systems work it could take years.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure. The way I, or the way I see I don't know what I was saying there, but what I read was that Stephen Avery believes that the person who did it was Brendan's mother's boyfriend at the time, who's now her husband. The guy who Yeah. Stephen the guy, who
1: went, the guy who went for a uh, – he's the one who t- went on the stand and talked about going hunting around 345 yep. or something? Exactly, yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. the only alibi he has is Brendan's brother, Bobby, says that he saw him. And what's interesting is when Bobby talked to the cops the first time, he's like, yeah, just ask – I think the guy's name was Steve maybe. Just ask him. He'll know exactly what time I saw or he'll know exactly what time he saw me. And they were like, well, why would he know exactly? And he's like, oh, just he'll know. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. Now, I i mean, basically, I don't know anything other than he doesn't really have an alibi for the time of the murder. Um, but he also has a history of abusing women. And so, but according to Stephen Avery's ex-girlfriend who was on the show, you know steven avery physically uh, sexually abused her too which I- I- i'm gonna be honest frankly i just she just seems like someone who decided to come forward for the money to have this interview i'm sure she got paid for i don't know if i believe anything she says or not because she was on time you mean Jody? Jody,
1: the yeah okay speaking of girlfriends what's up with this new girlfriend <laughs> what the fuck was that? I don't uh, know. You know, starting with prison pen pals, and oh yeah, there's something there. Yeah, I feel something there. You didn't, you didn't feel it before.
0: Oh yeah. You know, like she's lonely. She lost her husband. <laughs> but come on, See, Stephen. Happens Aubrey? so often. That's what kills me. I don't understand. Like serial killers, the world's most gruesome serial killers will find girlfriends that eventually become wives in prison. Like it's just. Uh, it it's a strange phenomenon, but it happens. And what's interesting to note is my boss was telling me today that they're not actually, they're just uh, friends again. They're not boyfriend, girlfriend, because she wanted him to like become Christian or some shit. And oh. he just didn't want to. And so they, they kind of broke up as girlfriend, and boyfriend. And so they're just friends again.
1: So it only means that she won't hold his hand now when they see each other face to face. Is that the right. difference? You know, like,
0: <laughs> what else? Like, they're not continuing the relationship. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's strange, man. Yeah. It's funny how, you know,
1: when he, these, these convicts get married in prison and I'm turning 37, I'm still, you know, I'm never married. <laughs> oh, whatever. <Maybe> whatever. He <laughs> may even
0: wear a jumpsuit. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he just sounded so defeated.
1: Uh, uh, just a little deflated not defeated.
0: <laughs> you know. there you go it's uh, hilarious um, so one thing I just I only heard about it one time and it was in episode 10 and maybe it's just because they're not very reliable I don't know but what about a lie detector test have any of these people taken a lie detector test Brendan mentioned the first time he got with, with somebody that he wanted to take a lie detector test but, but Len I think it was with Len Kaczynski but I guess they turned it down but it's like, what about that?
1: I don't know. Uh, I, I thought Brendan took one, but as for the results of it, or was it even put in, uh, admissible in court, I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about it, but as for them actually taking it, didn't show any footage on that. Again, it's it's a small it's a small uh, thing over in in a larger pool that they can only gloss over because you know they don't have so much time. Exactly. Um, I thought – at least I thought Brennan took one. I don't know about Stephen though.
0: I mean, that's the only thing. I don't know how reliable they are. You know, I don't know. I feel like they are something that's looked upon with less seriousness nowadays than they were maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, an educated guess, I guess, just from what I've been – what I've read and, and heard about in the past, you know, time since then. But I don't know for sure, obviously.
1: Like, why can't they just – Get some Jack Barr drugs, shoot him up with some truth serum and just say, hey, did you actually do it? <laughs> no? Or, yeah, yeah, I did it. You know, whatever. Simple. Just get Jack Barry there. It'll be done in like an hour.
0: Simple as that. <laughs>
1: you know? Oh, man. So. I, <laughs> did you do it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Case closed. That's that. <laughs> What are your overall thoughts on the on the docu series as a whole from episodes 1 to 10 um and, and let's talk about a star rating for this even though it seems kind of uh silly for uh, for a docu series like this but I still want to do it just for the sake of doing it. So Ash let's start with you. What are kind of your overall thoughts? I think
2: I, I mean I I going in I knew it was going to have bias. Um Toward Avery, but I think their ultimate goal was to get people thinking about his case again, and at the very least looking at how he was put on trial and how awful the prosecution of him was and, and you know and making people very aware, hey, this could happen to you, you know it doesn't take much, obviously um. But you know, whether regardless of whether he's guilty or not, the way he was tried was terrible, and I think they did a good job of that at the very least. Um, but yeah, it is definitely very biased toward that. But like they they kind of frame it that way just from the start. You know that they they're kind of going that route, right? Um, so I, on that end of things, at the very least, they they've got people. And it got, it had me sucked in all the way through. I I didn't Mm -hmm. know what was going on with it. So I think, I think a three and a half to four definitely for me. Um, because I think they, they did a very good job just putting it together, keeping it interesting. I mean, it's a courtroom drama that I, I could have sat through the whole 10 hours in one, you know, in one sitting (laughs) And, 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 and wouldn't have felt like you know oh this is dragging. And the only reason I had to stop was because, uh, you know, I had to work the next day type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, on that end, of things I did a fantastic job.
0: Excellent. So you're going three and a half or four? Uh, I'll go four. Okay. Go four out of four. Perfect. All right. And what about you, Mark? What are your concluding thoughts on making a murderer? I wish it was more, you know,
1: down the line than being so cited by Avery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think if Bill Alfon- Alfonso directed this, it'd be right down the line, Daddy. Um <laughs> but it's it's not. Um so oh. so because of that, and you know like they made the cops look so bad here. Now mm-hmm. they obviously it seems to me there's been misconduct, but like I'm I'd be afraid to drive through that county. I want I wanna <laughs> I don't want to drive in Wisconsin anymore. You know, um, I, I just wish it was more objective and not so pro-Avery. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, though, uh, like I read in a few articles, a lot of the people didn't want to be a part of this documentary. Uh, I know that the, um, the victim's family didn't want to have any part. That's why there's no interviews with them. It's only so, you know, so when filmmakers are stuck with just one side that want to do the interviews, obviously they're going to, slant the story more towards them because they're the ones that have the one-on-one interactions with the, with the, with the people. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I pretty much, I'm going to give this out of four stars too, okay. just because I'm going to go down the line and yeah. put it in the middle. Um, would I watch this again? No, it, it's already off my list that on Netflix, I mm-hmm. honestly, i I'm, after tonight, I might read the odd article, but uh, yeah, I'm putting this in my review. I, I just there's so many other things that we can watch. I, I don't want to linger on this anymore, just because it, it kind of really bumped me out. I, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I I wish that the court system wasn't so gross, and that you know people would just work towards the truth. And in this case, that wasn't the fact. So you know, yeah, I, I'm giving this a two out of four. Okay, um, and I'm moving on.
0: All right, excellent. Yeah, so the goal of Making a Murderer, in my opinion, the goal was to make people mad, make people angry about this because the filmmakers believe, from what I can tell from what they've presented in in this docu-series, they believe that Stephen Avery should not be in prison right now. And so their goal was to make the audience angry because an angry person will be more likely to move to action than someone who's interested or someone who's curious. And I think for that, they did an excellent job. I agree with Mark in that it was not down the line, but I am okay with that. Any of the information I've read outside of this, the information that may have been omitted, it does not seem to push my opinion on the f- uh, to the side of him being guilty, and this is a just and and right situation, that both Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey are, are in prison. It's ridiculous to me. And I think because of that, you know, I'm, I'm ready to sign that to try to get this to, this to the state, you know, whatever they're trying to get it to. I think it's the Supreme Court to try to get another retrial for, for both these people. I am... Um, I think that that is what they deserve. If nothing else, they deserve a fair trial. And I think if they are outside of Manitowoc County, maybe outside of Wisconsin, they have a, a higher chance of getting that. Now, on the, on the side whose job it will be to put these people in prison or to keep these people in prison, they're kind of fucked in the sense that now, the tables have turned before the media was showing how guilty he was. And they held this, the DA told this horrific story about how him and his, he made him and his, uh, his nephew rape her and then murder her and then burned her body. But now the opposite side is they have this Netflix segment, which is just blown up and people know about it. And so now you have them saying that he's innocent. And so how do you find a fair trial now? I don't know that you do, but I think the case is if you use common sense, it's clear to me, at least, that neither of these men should be in prison right now. And hopefully they do get a retrial. And hopefully that common sense means a little more now than it did 10 years ago when they were both put in a prison. I don't think it, I, it It might not because it's still the justice system and you have to prove something the way the courts want you to prove it. But I think as a docuseries, this was excellent. I absolutely give it four stars. Do I want to watch it again? No. Do I want to read more about this case? Absolutely. Do I want to follow this to its conclusion? Absolutely. Another one that this reminds me of that I didn't mention in the last episode, which is, I feel like an idiot for not mentioning it, Mentioning it, but it was actually one that uh, Brent tweeted me about on Twitter today. He asked me if I'm in the Paradise Lost trilogy. Now, have you either of you seen that Paradise Lost trilogy at all?
1: No, I haven't. Uh, uh, I, I want I to. I don't think I have. Okay. I believe that's an HBO documentary, so it wouldn't be on Netflix. Uh, right. Unless yeah. It is now, but uh, yeah, HBO originally uh, released that. I think the first episode was like in 96 or 97. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I never followed uh, that uh, case.
0: That's I watched those. I think it was, I want to say the beginning of maybe t- uh, 2014, I think, and uh, just got obsessed. And so watched the first one, thought it was ridiculous. Watched the second one which uh gives kind of uh it's kind of the bridge between what finally happens in the third one and what was happening in the first one and uh you know basically these these two I can't remember the exact ages and the exact details they're young kids uh like between 7 and 9 I want to say they get murdered in this town and they the town blames kind of these three outcasts and they are pulled into, uh, you know, pulled in for the crime and eventually proven guilty on all this circumstantial evidence, which just doesn't make sense. And, you know, sentenced to life in prison. And they're only like 17. I think one of them was 18 at the time, but the other two were, I think, only 17. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't I, I don't want to give away how it how it concludes, I guess. But. It definitely something worth watching if you are at all interested in true crime and especially if you enjoyed making a murderer definitely something that you'll want to watch is the paradise lost trilogy and you'll want to listen to the serial podcast season one uh season two is interesting but it's not quite the same uh, idea as this uh i don't know i just i wish i when i was younger had seen these, you know, then when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, and then could have decided on a different career path because I would have, I mean, I would love to work for the Innocence Project. I think that would just be such a fulfilling and important thing to do. I, I just, I, you know, I wish I'd started caring about this at a younger age so I could have really, you know, focused on that and, and done something with that. But I just think it's such a great thing what, what the Innocence Project does and it's uh, so important to make the court system uh, accountable for the people that they're putting in prison. And um, yeah, I loved making a murderer. I am fascinated by, by the case. I'm just infuriated with the case and uh, hope that we get to see how it concludes in the uh, coming years. Hopefully it doesn't take too long. Hopefully it doesn't take 18 years again. If, In fact, he will be proved somehow, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is innocent. So, that's my thoughts, and I am ready to move on from making a murderer. So, again, our plans coming up. What we're going to do is start watching through and podcasting through Quentin Tarantino's directorial filmography, which means next week we will be talking about Reservoir Dogs, his first film. Now we're going by that's is it truly his first film? Well, it's gonna be his first film for this for this podcast. And so the other thing we're watching is Black Mirror, which you can find on Netflix. I don't know if Reservoir Dogs is on Netflix anymore.
2: Um, hang on, I can tell you everything Tarantino on Netflix.
0: Okay. You find that. Uh, so we'll be doing Black Mirror and it's like a Twilight Zone, kind of a, an anthology series that a listener has been asking us oh, to wow. talk about.
2: Okay. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, uh, and Glorious Bastards and Django Unchained are all on Netflix. Uh, From Dusk Till Dawn is also on there and Four Rooms, but he did not direct both of those. He's just in them and wrote them.
1: How right. about Destiny Turns on the Radio? Is that on Netflix? No. Uh,
2: well, I don't know. If, that, that's just, that's just uh, Tarantino. If he's in it, he would have popped up. So.
0: Yeah. So there you go. There's a lot on Netflix. I think uh, the second one would be Jackie Brown, and that one's not on there. So you'd have to you know seek that one out a different way. But for next week, we will be talking about Reservoir Dogs, and we'll be talking about episode one, season one of Black Mirror. So I'm really excited to jump into that. Um, uh, there will be a at least one pause, one week off in that podcast series, maybe two, um, just for vacation. So keep that in mind. But other than the podcast, we have, as I mentioned earlier, Chris has been writing up a storm. I'm sorry, not Chris, Ash. You've been writing up a storm, and you have a review of uh, Contracted Two, which you talked about earlier, coming, and also. This new series is going to be a weekly series that you're you're starting. It's called Star Trek Essentials, and so basically, um, go ahead and and kind of tell what your thoughts were on this and why you wanted to start writing this article.
2: Um, well, this year's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, I grew up watching it; still love it. Um, I, and I I watch some form of Star Trek throughout the year anyway. Um, uh, my wife hates it. <laughs> <laughs> well she doesn't hate it but she she, star trek it's yeah she's she's okay with it she she gets why i'm obsessed with it but she's just like "Eh." you know (laughs) enough um but uh i'd seen like a couple of articles around um they're like you know how you can watch star trek the next generation 40 hours instead of you know because there's like a hundred plus episodes Mm -hmm. uh and a couple other things and it's like okay, so you, they you know, they kind of distilled it down to okay, here are the episodes that you really should watch that are really good, and you know, and then kind of cut away the fat. And they've done that with Deep Space Nine as well, and there's another one with Voyager out there. And then and there's some stuff I agree with them on, and some stuff I didn't. So I'm I'm kind of going through the original series Star Trek right now, and I've weeded out the episodes that I think are at least decent and the ones that I think are excellent. And I'm kind of doing, uh, two episodes per article, uh, you know, write up kind of like a summary of the episode, uh, why, why I picked it, you know, some of the background in it type of thing. And then, uh, you know, obviously my rating for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, the, these would be like the, the, what I would consider the essential episodes. Like if you were going to sit down and, and you wanted to just blow through. Just the good episodes, or the you know, just the decent ones. That this would be kind of you know what you would do.
1: Yeah, excellent. I, I, I think for Next Generation, it's pretty easy, just because you just pick the episodes where Troy's wearing that blue dress. <laughs> 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 Am I right, guys? Am I right?
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: Podcast high five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I exciting. Think... Yeah, it should be. It should be a great article, and it's uh, one that you're already way ahead on so it's one that we're going to see every week and um yeah I'm excited about it so with that in mind I guess that will conclude our podcast for tonight so that was our making a murderer two part special and remember from here out we are doing Tarantino movies until we reach the hateful 8 which I am very excited about I love Tarantino and some of these are actually be first time watches for me so I am thrilled. What? Yeah. I, I'm yes surprised by that. Yeah.
2: I have at least well the only one I haven't seen is uh is uh Hateful Eight yet, so Yeah. But uh no I've seen at least every one of those movies at least once.
1: So. Okay. Well you guys go see Hateful Eight. I'm gonna to go to the mall and pick up a second phone. That'll be my sexting phone. <laughs> so, I don't use my, my real
0: phone. Your burner <laughs> phone for sex. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> and I made a mistake
1: in the first episode, which I wanted to correct last week. I gave, instead of my Twitter handle, I gave my Instagram handle.
0: <laughs> so oh, right.
1: That's right. If you guys <laughs> want to catch <laughs> me on, on Twitter, it's uh, my name, it's uh, Mark, M A R C underscore NADO, N A D E A U. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to follow uh, my ramblings or whatnot, go right ahead. And then once I have my new phone, then we can trade pictures. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Good. All right. So thank you gentlemen for joining me tonight. That was fun. I'm glad we were able to talk about making a murder. i because otherwise I don't think I would have sat down and watched it. And so I'm always glad to do them on the podcast. Cause then I know I'll actually watch it, but all right. And thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next time.